Hello and welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. My name is Father Tony Smila. And I'm Michael Hasso. Today we're talking about Catholic schools, which is a, uh, a great topic. I love this topic because I went through Catholic schools and I now teach at two different Catholic schools. So it's a fun topic for me. Um, and I know, I know you didn't go to, to Catholic yeah. schools, but you, you'll still have something to add to this conversation, yeah, I'm sure. Definitely. Um, so uh, happy Catholic Schools Week, and that's why we're doing this. So uh, we're going to talk about Catholic schools in this segment, and then in the other side of the break, we're going to talk to the principal of Powers Catholic High School, uh, Sally Bartos, which is a it's a good, great conversation. We had a good conversation with her, and uh, really what we want to do is show why do we have Catholic schools, what's the point of them, and for people in the pews, maybe the real question is, why are we dumping a bunch of money into Catholic schools, right? Because it's a huge investment on the part of so many parishes, um, massive chunks of their budget are given to the school every year. And for a lot of parishes, it's a significant portion. So why do we do this? Why do we make this one of our primary missions to educate kids and uh, children all the way up through high school? So let's actually go back in time first. Um, how did we get to where we are today? So U.S., and this is all from the National Catholic Educational Association website. The link will be in the show notes for that in case you want to dive deeper. They have a lot of cool data and uh, a lot more than even I'll present today. So the U.S. Catholic school enrollment reached its peak during the early 1960s when there were more than 5.2 million students in almost 13,000 schools across the nation. That's kind of amazing, 13,000 Catholic schools across the nation. Once we get into the 70s and 80s, we saw a steep decline in both the number of schools and the students, which doesn't surprise anybody. That's really what we've kind of known for a long time, that that was kind of the the, the height was the 1960s of Catholic schools, and, and we've slowly dropped from them. By 1990, there were approximately 2.5 million students in 8,719 schools. So that's more than half, or less than half, uh, still going to Catholic schools uh, just in that few three decades. From the mid-1990s through 2000, which is when I was in Catholic school, there was a steady enrollment increase, 1.3%. Ooh. Yeah, that was surprising to see. It is a little surprising to see. The 1.3, it's not much, um, but a steady, a, a, just a small increase. It at least beat back the the uh, um, the, de- the decline in enrollment. So, however, schools continued to close during that time. So, in the 10 years since the 2010 school year, 1,191 schools were reported closed or consolidated. That's 18.1% of them. That's a lot. One of the, one out of every five were closed or consolidated, while 244 school openings were reported. Due to different definitions used by dioceses for consolidations, closings, and their tradition transitions into new configurations, along with the actual new schools open, the actual decrease in the number of schools since 2010 is 911, which is 12.8%. So that's a little bit different, right? Um, when they close two schools and open one school, you know, they counted that as two different closings. But the actual number of reductions is 12.8%, 911. The number of students declined by 382,000. That's 18%. So that's much more significant, the, the number of students declined in that time. And, and I can even see that here um, now, uh, when I was going to school here at St. John Vianney, there were, what, 450 kids in the school? You know, you'd pack the entire gym full. Now, I think it's just over, 
it's over 150. I think it's close to 200 at this point. So, you know, half the student body size at this point. The most seriously impacted have been the elementary schools. Uh, since 2010, elementary school enrollment has declined by 24.1% in the uh, in 12 urban dioceses and 18.6% in the rest of the U.S. So there's, and I don't know which urban diocese, I'm assuming they're meaning like the big, the major cities, 12 biggest cities in the yeah. country. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, there has been some good news as well during the 20. 10 and 2020 period as 244 new schools have opened in all parts of the country. So that's some good news. Um, but these statistics really don't surprise me at all. These stats don't really surprise me at all. We're seeing uh, a great secularization in the culture, which means, well, why do I need to send my uh, kids to a Catholic school? Also, the um, the money is a, is a big part of it, too. Um, you know, people are spending their money in different ways nowadays. There's a lot more things to spend your money on. Netflix, cell phones, entertainment. Um, so why is Catholic school then? What makes that a priority? And, and I don't think people understand why you would send your student to a Catholic school as opposed to just, you know, public school where you can get it for free. So, uh, with that, I'd like to just kind of share a little bit about my experience. Um, these stats don't surprise me at all. So I went to Catholic schools in the 90s and, and 2000s and uh, early 2000s. And uh, um, so just to be upfront, I graduated high school in 2007. Uh, if anyone's trying to count the, you know, like, how old is this guy? <laughs> I graduated high school in 2007. And um, uh, my experience um, was kind of a, almost a, like a vanilla form of, the, of the faith. I was, I was taught the faith, but I really wasn't given a lot of the, here are the deep questions. We're going to really attack. What are the hard sayings of Christ? Um, what do, like, so I learned God loves me, which is an important start, right? It's a good foundational piece. Um, but I didn't even really know much that the catechism existed until I got into high school and, and beyond, um, which you'd think, you know, it's a good place to start, right? The catechism. Um, so um, a lot of the work that I had to do about my faith, I had to do it on my own. Now, luckily, in high, when I was in high school, I had a, a high school chaplain, um, a priest who really wanted to, uh, to go into those things. He wanted to teach us those things. He wanted to dive in. And for anyone who would listen, he would, he would go, go there. And so, you know, I was very blessed to, to be able to do that with him. And um, even despite all that, it wasn't until I got to college that I had to really that I was really confronted with, okay, do I want to make this faith my own or not? Um, I'd learned a good amount about the faith, but um, <clears throat> it wasn't really, um, I wasn't pushed into that until I really got into college. Now, here's the good news. And, and really, I think a lot of us can, can relate to, to my Catholic, um, Catholic education upbringing. Now, here's the good news. I, I've seen a revival in Catholic schools recently, especially in the last 10 years. I've seen a real revival in Catholic schools, a real f um, refocusing on making a good theology department, a real focus on we're not just going to teach for college. Right? A lot of these, especially the high schools, a lot of the high schools that seem like they became college prep schools or athletic uh, <laughs> schools, right? Yeah, um, that was which, definitely the case in in my area where I grew up, there was there was definitely this perception of Catholic schools sure. as being like 
the you know the sports schools that well sure they can recruit recruit. yeah Yeah, they can recruit that's always the knock right they can recruit which i'm okay with that (laughs) (laughs) you're like we did win a lot (laughs) we did win a lot yeah we won state championship in football my junior year so yeah i'm I'm okay with that (laughs) but uh so there was this perception that that's what especially the high schools that's what they were um, focused on academics, and then theology kind of took a back seat. Now we're seeing a reversal in a lot of that. A lot of these, especially in the high schools, are like, we're Catholic. Let's be Catholic. Let's really put that identity out front and center. I would have loved to have had the theology department um, to have gone through it as a high schooler that we have now. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in the theology department at Powers and one of the teachers, um, but but because it's, it's true. Um you know, they really, they dive into the scriptures, they dive into the catechism. You know, from, from my scripture class, we don't use a textbook. The textbook is the Bible, right? Like, duh, we should, right? Um, so there has been a, a real revival in Catholic schools, a real focus on, we're going to hire people who actually, you know, believe in the faith, who actually want to teach the faith, who want to give these kids not just a foundation in in and uh, academics and in athletics, whatever it may be, but a well-rounded uh, education. I want to teach them how to be human. And that's that's the biggest thing I think Catholic schools have to offer. They can teach the fullness of what it means to be human in a true in the true sense of uh, being a liberal arts school, right? We're going to teach you what it means to be human, what all the, the fullness of, of everything we can teach. Um, whereas public schools can't actually do that. Public schools are kind of limited to do, all right, we'll teach you science and math and reading and, you know, the important things, but that's as far as they can go. They're not allowed to teach, you know, the deep questions of life. And they're not allowed to go there because the answer is God. They, they can't do that. But we can. That's a huge advantage that we have. Really talk about worldview in that sense. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to note that a lot of what, you were describing father tony of your experience in catholic education and and just how much things have really changed for the better in the last you know few decades a lot of that is really things that sort of came about in the church since i'd say especially since the 90s sure you know this this renewed focus on on leading christians who are in the pews to a decision point Mm -hmm. i mean that terminology wasn't wasn't really even around a lot of the things that we have today like alpha especially in our diocese has become so common so common yep you know and i don't know how long that's been the case here but there's and there's really a lot of programs that are starting to imitate that like hey we need to we need to really proclaim the gospel people need to be led to not only a relationship with jesus but to a decision. Yeah. And we're starting to do this in much more intentional ways as a church and really nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised to find out, you know, looking back 10 years from now, that a lot of the things that are happening right now, not only in our Catholic schools, but in our parishes, that are really sort of laying the groundwork for massive growth down the road. Oh, totally agree. Totally because, agree. Because even like these school closings that, that you were mentioning and how you know, some of them were counted when it was really like schools merging together. You know, it's important to keep in mind, too, that, you know, populations shift. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yep. there's there's a greater need in certain areas of our diocese now that wasn't such a great need, you know, right. 30 years ago. Yeah. And so some of it's just like a natural, um, natural change, like the church has to adjust mm-hmm. to... Um, to really evangelize the culture. And I think some of that is is what we're seeing. And so some of it's sort of cutting away things that needed to be cut away, and some of it's growing new things. That's correct. So. Yeah, yeah. because I'm, I'm encouraged that both, you know, sometimes you do see the closing of schools, but that you're also seeing the growth in the midst of this. Um, I think the biggest population shift you see is to the suburbs, right? Especially during this, between the 60s and, and now, the biggest growth has been the suburbs. And so, you know, we don't need 17 city schools right now. Um, I think there used to be 17 Catholic schools in Flint. There's not that now. Um, and so shifting from that to, okay, where do we, where can we be most effective with it? Yeah. So that does bring us to that, uh, that, uh, giant elephant in the room money, right? I think that's the thing that keeps a lot of people from Catholic schools. You know, I can't afford it. Can't afford it. And, and for a lot of people, that's absolutely true, right? It's not just because they want their Netflix, but it's because they literally just can't afford it. It's tough. So for, um, and this is, these are stats from across the nation. So the mean parish school tuition is $4,841. So across the board, you know, that's right down the middle, $4,841 for an elementary school education per year. The actual cost for the school is $5,936. Now, when we jump to um, high school, the tuition at, is at $11,239, and the per-pupil cost for that school is $15,249. Those are not low numbers, and and that's assuming that's just one student, right? What if you got three or four kids? Five. You know, I know a lot of schools will give discounts for m- multiple children, so you're not paying that full cost, but man, that's still a lot of money for a Catholic education. And notice, too, what you saw in those stats is that the uh, the actual cost was much more than the tuition. And and for high schools, it's substantially more. So this is why you see um, uh, parishes often subsidizing. They have to subsidize the schools. The schools, the tuition doesn't pay the whole bill and doesn't pay a lot of the bill in, in a lot of cases, too. Yeah, I found that very striking, noticing the tuition versus the actual cost yeah. to the school. And, you know, I I can't help but imagine that that's probably pretty rare outside of Catholic schools where oh, the tuition sure. is actually below the cost. Well, I mean, outside of that, you know, to get the government to give you money, right? Yeah. You just got to give more government money. So, but we don't have that. We got to pay for it ourselves. And, uh, yeah, and so, but... That's why, you know, we're talking about this and, and how important it actually is to this. So we find it so important that we're going to have parishes subsidize the rest of that cost. And, and as I said earlier, you know, it's oftentimes a significant portion of the budget to cover the rest of those costs to keep the school open and uh, to educate the children because we find that to be important enough to do that. In fact, at St. John Vianney, we give over $100,000 in scholarships. Um, students who normally wouldn't have a chance to attend Catholic schools, they now can do it. And that's, uh, that's something that I think we take a lot of pride in and, and are glad that we can offer that, especially here in downtown Flint, in the inner city here of, of Flint. 
So I found this really interesting statistic that says that Catholic schools provide more than $21 billion a year in savings to the taxpayer. That's a b-b-b-billions. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's huge. And for some reason, I'm not sure why this would be, but it never seems to come up in the political conversation when we talk about saving money. But this is a really serious public benefit, not only to the students being educated, but it ultimately comes back to the taxpayer Mm -hmm. and provides a better education at a better cost nationally because, you know, Catholic schools, we, we figure out a way to get it done. That's right. And in an effective way, you know, really using every dollar as best as we can. Now, this is where, uh, you know, this is our action item of the day, right? Uh, and, you know, I'm not preaching from a pulpit, so I can, I can make a political statement here. School choice. School choice is so important for that. So, you know, we want to be able to um, uh, increase the, the competitiveness of schools, right? Competition breeds better schools. You know, if you don't have to compete with anybody, well, the standards don't matter then, right? Um, and we see that anytime there's competition in the system, everybody benefits, everyone gets better. And so school choice is something that I think is going to be, is, is really important for us, really important for Catholic schools, but I think really important just for our country in general. If we can allow parents to choose where they send their kids to, sure, we can have these scholarship funds, but that still doesn't help everybody. We can't get everybody that wants to come to this school into this school. Um, the, the costs oftentimes are still just too high. So school choice is, is a great thing where we can allow parents to decide where they're going to send their kids to and, um, and, and the money is going to follow the kid. The money doesn't go right to the school. The money follows the kid from, from the government. So, um, yeah, school choice. I think that's, uh, that's what I'm going to push for right here. Yeah, and I have to say, as somebody who's not originally from the Flint area, when I was growing up, I would often hear about things that were going on in Flint, often the negative things, sure, just to be blunt, because that's what the news does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would often come up about you know, Flint public schools struggling, you know, financially and, and stuff like that. I, that was sort of the things that I saw constantly growing up. Yep. But again, very interesting. I never heard about St. John Vianney school mm-hmm. and the great work that's done there. That's right. And never really heard, I had heard of Flint powers, but I'd never heard of, you know, the great work that they do. Either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, you know that's that's a testament to what what the what we've done here, what the school the teachers do, the principals do here, um, and here's where you can help. So here's the second action item. So uh, if you're hearing this on the day that we release it, it's the fourth, uh, I think fourth Thursday, Friday, Saturday. yeah. So on the Saturday the sixth, uh, St. John Vianney is having their school auction. And I'm pretty excited about it because I'm hosting it. Uh, so we're inviting you not to attend in person because there's not going to be anything in person. Uh, it's going to be a fully virtual uh, auction. So we'll have the link in the in the show notes today. And uh, um, we're, we're going to live stream it. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to try and raise a lot of money for the kids, we'll raise a lot of money for that scholarship fund, and uh, and allow as many students as possible who want to come to this school, give them the chance to come to this school. So there's a lot of different auction items. The one that I'm going to highlight is the one that I'm, I'm uh, that's my item. Uh, if you want to have four private guitar lessons with Father Tony, with me, um, that it includes a, a beginner acoustic guitar, a capo, strings, uh, all the fixings that you need 
uh, gig bag with the guitar. Uh, that's going to be one of the auction items. So four guitar lessons and uh, beginner guitar. Um, so uh, check out the website at sjvkids.org or uh, flintcatholic.org. Both websites should have the the auction um, link to it when we're ready to go. And uh, yeah, February 6th, 7 p.m. is when we go live. And uh, we hope to see you there. Get uh, get comfy, grab a drink, and uh, open your wallets. And by the way, if you're not able to attend in person, you can also feel free to just send a check. This is true. <laughs> this is true. You can always do that. In yeah. fact, uh, the uh, SJV Kids website right now uh, will have uh, an ability to donate there. So if you can't make it on that time, um, you certainly can donate then. I'm assuming we'll be able to post the post the video afterwards as well so if you want to uh check out what we did um you can post the video we'll, we'll post the video afterwards as well and so uh so yeah that brings us to the end here the next segment we'll have uh sally bartos the principal of powers catholic high school we'll talk about the unique challenges that they've had especially during this time of covid and what catholic education is really like to her and what she strives to do at powers Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. My name is Father Tony Smila. And I'm Michael Hasso. And today we are joined by the principal of Powers Catholic High School, Sally Bartos. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, this is my 23rd year at Powers Catholic. Um, I started in 98. So um, it's been a great run. I started as a teacher, became assistant principal, and then principal uh, when we moved into the building. So... What year did you move into the new building? Because I was part of the old building. Yes, you were. Um, so we moved into the new building in 2000, fall of 2013. Okay. So it, was, so it was quite a move, too. I'll, I'll it was, bet. It was, that was a long summer. Oh, man, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. So I do have to ask this right off the bat. Um, since uh, I myself am a Powers grad, um, who was your favorite student of all time? Hmm. <laughs> and maybe and maybe the follow-up would be, well, now that I teach here, who's your favorite teacher of all time? Oh, wow. Hmm. Hmm. Actually, there's been a number of Powers grads that have become teachers here, too. So That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there really have been. It's kind of amazing. So. Yeah. I won't actually make you answer that question, because we all know the answer is me. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. So... Uh, so we're doing this uh, in honor of Catholic Schools Week. So the first question I really should ask is, um, if someone's considering education for their children, why should they look to Catholic schools? Well, for lots of different reasons, but I would say I'm going to answer with the whole child. So there is no other place where you can get um, the kind of growth that you would help for um, intellectually. So you have the academic growth, you have the personal growth, the emotional growth, but you also have the spiritual growth. Um, and I would say in this day and age, that's probably one of the most important gifts you could give your child would be that foundation to be able to grow from, um, that solid rock to be able to understand Jesus Christ and grow so that when times get tough and life gets hard, he's there. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I think there's a um, in, in education and in, in uh, the secular world right now. I think the the focus is on more utilitarianism. You know, what can we, you know, what knowledge can we give to them? But it's very one dimensional in that sense. Let's give them as much information as we can, and then send them off. But that doesn't that doesn't go after the whole person, who we are. You know, we think what's important is we go after the 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 deeper questions of life, the ones that don't come from a science textbook. We go to the science textbook as well, but we go after the whole human. We want to you know build up the whole person, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely. And everybody's different and we take them where they're at and try to give them a foundation and, and yeah. help them grow in every which way. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned you started off as a teacher. Yes. What did you teach? Um, English and history. <laughs> so my first year at Powers, I taught um, Honors Humanities 9. I taught the English portion for that. Um, and for those who don't know what Honors Humanities is... Um, it's a team-taught approach to English history and theology, um, and it's kind of morphed into now some of the AP courses and things. So we have AP World History, or adding AP U.S. History to that as yes. well. And then it's uh, pre-AP English for nine and ten. So and then it's the theology, and, and, and it's kind of a, a combination with um, projects from all three subject areas and reading good books that that pertain to all three subject areas so so we taught that i taught american history um i taught american literature through the years i've taught michigan history world history um popular reading oh boy i've taught so many different classes <laughs> so do you have a favorite of those um, I would say Honors Humanities 9. Yeah. I, you know, I loved having my ninth grade uh, Honors Humanities kids. They were always fun. So, And the projects were fun. Yeah. And Father Tony's was probably one of the most memorable projects ever. I, you know, I, I didn't like to be boring and, and dry. And so no. I, you know, I spent more time thinking, how can I make this fun? And I think that's what, that's what made it fun for me anyway. It it's was, the only way I could have fun. Yep, yeah, and, and they were always so clever in, in just the way they were executed. Um, like your understanding of technology, even in 2004, was pretty amazing, so. I remember one time, this story is crazy. So, you know, laptops weren't really a thing and technology was still, you know, trying to figure all of it out. And so I couldn't uh, um, get the project off of my family computer into the school that I needed, you know, where I needed to present it. So I just brought the whole dang computer in and I just, I'm like, I just need to make this work. Wow. <laughs> That's commitment. That was, well, that was a <laughs> night where, I mean, I may have put off making the project until last minute might be one of those. Um, but I'm like the night before I'm pulling my hair out trying to, how do I get this to work? Ah, and then I'm like, I'm just bringing the whole thing in. And that's what I did. There we go. It worked very well. So for me, in that class, uh, one of the most memorable things uh, you had us do, and we, in fact, beforehand, we were just talking about this, you had us memorize the first 18 verses of the Canterbury Tales. Prologue to the Canterbury Tales. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, why did you have me go through such difficult, such a difficult project? I still remember uh, sitting there, like, one line at a time. I'm not even, like, I'm looking at these words. I'm like, this isn't even English. <laughs> it, it doesn't look like English. I don't know how to pronounce these words. Even to this day, like, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. I heard you say it before, and I'm like, wow, that's not how I pronounced it at all. It's not even close. <laughs> so why did, you have, why did you torture me is really the real question. Well, I, <laughs> so um, one of the things, you know, my thought pattern was that, you know what, if I can give something, and it was pretty early on that I did that. Yeah. 
And I was like, if they can get over this hurdle, and I always told them, if you can get over this hurdle, this if you can do this, you can do anything. So. Yeah. And and I think the, I, I think that worked. I think it did that because. I think what 17 years later I still have a good chunk of that memorized and if I go to my classmates I think a lot of them still have it memorized as well well in all the years I taught honors humanities there was never any kid that didn't do it mm-hmm so that's that's pretty amazing actually yeah wow. yeah that's I mean, shocking I, I had kids that didn't do projects I mean yeah. you know they we, we would have a kid or two every mm-hmm. now and then that would just either that or we'd have the kids that would freeze up like they would just they oh, have the project yeah. done and they would freeze and they just couldn't do it and stop their eyes get really wide right but, i remember that but i never had a kid once that didn't do the prologue to the canterbury tales for whatever wow. reason that's amazing so yeah i think that was pretty successful too um having gone through that i think that that did you know especially for me coming in uh i like barely avoided getting kicked out of my last school <laughs> and <laughs> Somehow got placed in Honors Humanities for who knows what reason. The Holy Spirit must have been at work there. <laughs> and then this happens, like, right away. And I'm like, wow, I can actually do that. And then uh, the Honors Humanities program is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So, well, good. Yeah. Good. And a lot of the... F- so then I should ask not, I should ask then who your favorite teacher was. Oh, <laughs> wow. Do I have... Uh-oh. The interviewer gets interviewed. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say my favorite teachers had songs written about them and, and oh, in an album. Oh, goodness. I remember those. <laughs> Cacophony. That was your band, Cacophony, right? Cacophony. That's right. Yeah. We were, we were a, a lot of noise back in the day. They yeah, were pretty funny, though. Some of those songs were pretty funny. So, yeah. So it's been a, a real joy for me to, to come back here to teach theology. Um, and uh, I just... Love being back here in the new building, but it even feels like the, it's a new building, but it feels like the same powers. And, and I think anyone who's, you know, been an alumni, um, you know, my parents were alumni of powers as well, well among the first classes that came through here. Um, but they still feel like this new building is still the same old powers. Is that the, the um, experience you've, you've seen across the board? I think so. I mean, I, I think a building is bricks and mortar. Yeah. You know. Although this one is bricks, mortar, and windows, which really makes it nice. a lot of windows. Love the light. Love the natural lighting. Um, But, you know, it's the the spirit of the people that are in the building that that makes Powers Catholic. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this year we've seen um, that spirit have to really be put to the test uh, with uh, COVID-19 and all the restrictions and all the the changes we've had to make over and over and over again. Um, We've done everything we possibly could uh, to keep as many kids in front of us as possible. So tell us a little bit about uh, perhaps the challenges that we've had to go through this year. Um, I often think, so this is my first year teaching um, uh, at Powers, and it's my first year really teaching in this um, rigorous of a sense. And uh, I often think of that scene from Airplane where uh, the guy is in the control tower, and uh, he goes, picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue. And, and so to me, it's I picked a bad year to start teaching. <laughs> well, to extend that metaphor, this is what the year feels like. Do you remember when the airplane and they go from runway to runway to runway and they keep going down the line and they're like, uh, runway 34, nope, 35, nope, 36, nope, 37. That's, that's exactly kind of, that's it. That's kind of what I feel like this year has been too. It's, been it's a marathon. like, here's these plans and let's change them because these plans aren't going to be good for this. And they're not, you know, so... So we have made plans to remake plans, to remake plans, to redo plans. So 
So we were all virtual last spring, um, and that was like we we actually started. We had um, one day of PD and actually started the following Monday uh, educating kids, which I thought was great. Wow! It was virtual, but That's we incredible. you know and, and we we learned a lot. We did a lot of professional development over the summer to get ready for this year. Um, had some great professional development on blended learning and. Then we started with blend, with a model of blended um, that we used where the kids would come in for a half day, uh, half the alphabet, half a day. Um, and then that was crazy. Like it was parents were running here, running there. And, and we like we learned a lot. We went fully back face to face, had a number of quarantines that were happening. So then we started another blended model where it was every other one we're currently on, where it was every other day. Um, and then the governor made us go back totally virtual. Now we're back to that blended model and hope to go back face to face. So it's yeah. been a crazy year. A yeah, crazy no doubt. Year. No doubt. So. And we're hoping for one more change, full face to face. Full that's face to the face. Last change we make. Let's hope that's the last one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty excited. I actually, uh, I was able to get an appointment for my first vaccine. So nice. Yeah. Yes. So. Awesome. So. Uh, that's a lot of work to change constantly. And you see, if you look across the board, you see a lot of school districts who just, they've been fully virtual the whole time and mm-hmm. they haven't worried about changing back and forth and trying to make it work. Why is it important for powers? Why is it important for us that um, we do that? Why, why do we go well, through I, all that I effort? I don't think an educator or any educator would say that fully face-to-face is not the most beneficial and best way to teach kids. Yeah. So it's always that goal in mind. How do we get there to be at the same time being safe? Yep. So, yep. So. And I would totally agree. So you know, that I, was that well, was that was like a softball to you. I'm like, I want you to hit that out of the park because that's exactly right. You know, having done both ways um, and virtual is just not the way to go. It's it's tough to teach virtual, and kids have a tough time learning tough virtually. Time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to be face to face is definitely the goal. I do think though that this will make some changes. Like I I said long before a pandemic, that seat time is going to change in education. It's got to change. I mean, that's an antiquated notion that we mm. hold kids from, you know, eight in the morning until three in the afternoon. And, you know, so I do think that some of that is going to change and we're going to see different, um, a, a different school day, a, a way that we do things. However, um, I, I, you know, we still have to have the face to face. We still have to have all those personal touches and all of those things. So that's an interesting thought. So maybe. Expand on, do you have any ideas about that? Or what, what do you mean by that? Because I don't know if I can, I mean, I've, you know, we've all been through that, that school system, eight to new, eight to three. Uh, what do you mean by that? Or what, what are possibilities? So I, I, I think that education is going to get more personalized for students and things. Um, parents live differently now. They go on vacations. They do things. Um, it's just a different mindset on there's a lot of virtual schools that have been really successful, but I think the most successful plans are going to be the hybrid, the ability to do mm. kind of a, a combination. Yeah. So, and kids are going to get a lot. I mean, they're, they're tech savvy. They're far more tech savvy, oh, for sure. way more tech savvy than I am. So, so it's kind of amazing. Like we were talking about before we began, they're really tech savvy sometimes. So no doubt I had to, like my syllabus for this semester, I had to be very clear and careful on what my expectations were because of the tech savviness of the mm-hmm. kids. No phones. Make sure you use your iPad for exactly this purpose and this purpose only. Yeah. Yep. They're, they get it. 
So we actually had one student, um, we were in the old building, that figured out how to hack into our grading system. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. He owns his own tech company and does really, really well now. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Let's get him on the good guys team. (laughs) Get him on our side. I was going to say, let's get him on the donors list. (laughs) That that too, yeah. There we go. Oh, man. So, Sally, I, I had a question for you. This is something that Father Tony and I had talked about previously off air. And I guess the first thing is, especially since COVID, I've been hearing a lot about a teacher, a teacher shortage uh, nationwide. Um, is that something you're experiencing here? And can you speak to what you know about that? So I, I definitely, it's something we're experiencing and we're going to continue to do that. Um, so just an example would be, um, I was looking for a student teacher. We have a teacher out on maternity leave. And in the past, we've been able to get like a student teacher for that teacher. And, and then, you know, when they go out on maternity leave, it's kind of time to take over and whatever. So I had called um, several different uh, colleges, started with U of M Flint, and they said they have... Um, I forget the exact number, but just a, a fraction of the, the student teachers they had before. Same thing with Michigan State, Oakland University, and Saginaw Valley. I had called all of those teacher colleges and said, hey, you know, schools of education, can you help us out? Is there anybody you know? And they're like, we just don't have anybody, especially in math and science. Is that because people aren't signing up to be teachers anymore? Yeah. Or is I, that they're, they're getting used in other places? There's I, more demand. I, I just don't think that it's as popular as it once was. Interesting. So. Interesting. Well, as someone who's recently started teaching, uh, I want to push for that because I love it. It's great. I'm, yeah, it, I'm it's, have, it's, you know, I'm here for two hours every day, and it's the best two hours of my day. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It's, it's something that um, if you have a passion for, it, it, there's not a better job. Yeah, so, definitely. Agreed. agreed. And freshmen are funny. Oh, my gosh, freshmen just keep me in stitches all day long my goodness <laughs> like yeah i remember being a freshman i might not remember it much longer but i still remember it so i know what you i know what you're up to <laughs> that is true the bet some of the best teachers are the students who weren't always the uh students that fell in line so well, that would yeah. be me yeah although you guys didn't experience that for me so much here it was my at my eighth grade year that was oh boy I didn't even know that. Oh, man. Yeah, I barely made it through that. They, so they, they have, like, this thing in, in there now. So it's at St. John Vianney in Flint. And, uh, you know, the alumni who've gone off to do better things, so like the guys um, who've become priests. Um, but when I left there, they, uh, they had a wanted poster for me. Don't let this guy back in the building. <laughs> <laughs> so what could you have done that was that bad? Oh, uh, so... To kind of bring the conversation even a little more full circle, uh, the idea that uh, education requires we sit kids down still for, you know, six hours a day, that doesn't work for me. Um, I have ADHD, and uh, sitting still is just not an easy task for me, even today. Like, I'm still, right now, I'm squirming a little bit in my seat, and uh, it's not an easy task for me. And so to make me do that for six hours a day um, was not something I was capable of doing in eighth grade. I forced myself and learned how to work with it as in, in high school and, in, and beyond. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't work for me. And so that's, that's why I was really interested in that question, um, alternative models of education, because, because uh, this one wasn't super great for me. I mean, I did it and, you know, I'm through it and, you know, did 10 years of college after high school. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
So, so when I first started teaching, like way back in the day, um, I, I remember thinking when I got in front of a classroom, my competition was MTV. Oh, for sure. And everybody was watching MTV. And so they were watching short little clips of really active video. And so I kept thinking, I have to entertain them. There has to be something entertaining about class because otherwise they tune out. That's right. So, yeah. And you don't want to be like St. Paul where as he's preaching, someone falls asleep, falls out of a window and dies. <laughs> you don't want that. He did resurrect the person. Yeah, I was going to say the dead raising afterwards did help. That, that was that was that probably pretty, added a little entertainment value. That's for true. Him. That probably worked <laughs> even to the benefit. Yeah. This, I almost had someone jump out a window once, but yeah. Hmm, no defenestration. So they were actually doing a reenactment of Ivanhoe. Um, Gosh. And, and they were like going to be Rebecca jumping to her death. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, don't do that. Right. So they, they were, we were on the second floor in the old building and they opened oh, up the window. That's, and that's a high second floor. Yeah. Well, they, they opened up the window and they put their foot out the window. And I'm sitting there going like, no, oh, no, wait a minute. It was me. I put my foot out. That's it. No, go back. Go back. Now I remember. I put my foot out the window and I couldn't get back in. Oh, no. So. Oops. Yeah, I put my leg out the window and I couldn't get back in. So they had to pull me back in. That was it. That, now I remember more clearly. I almost fell out the window. Yikes. Yeah. Well, the things teachers go through for their students to really keep it entertaining, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it is. You thought your competition was MTV? I got to jump out a window. Yeah, it was tough. I had a skirt on. That <laughs> <laughs> would. It was tough. I was going to say, that's, that's what listeners can look forward to in a Catholic education. <laughs> that's right. Our teachers jumping out the Dedi windows. Only in Catholic that schools. That kind of dedication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to a public school, and I can't say I ever had a teacher even fake jumping out a win window. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it was like we were getting in. I was getting into the, like, you know, and, and, and so the, the storyline of the story goes, there's a, a woman who's, like, um, going to be burned at the stake kind of thing like that. So she's Jewish and she's going to be burned at the stake. And so, um, and it takes place way back, way back. Cause he's like a Knight Templar. So way back. So, um, and she'll be rescued by another Knight Templar if she'll marry him. And she's like, I'm not marrying you. No way. And so, she goes to the window and she's going to throw herself out because he's like literally forcing her. Like, you must marry you. Must. She's going to throw herself out. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. So that's what I did. I was going to throw myself out the window just to show him, <laughs> you know, so. That's great. Yeah. So uh, um, maybe a more unrelated question, but a question nonetheless. Um, if people want to know more about Powers and what we do here, um, are there any events coming up? Or you know, probably not, right? Um, but is there? How can people get connected with Powers to uh, to get to know more? Or if they know somebody, uh, how how can you connect up with them? So I'm actually going to direct them to Val Sunday. Val Sunday is our admissions director. Mm -hmm. um, she has tours. Um, she's we're gonna if we can. It looks like we can start opening up shadow visits again. Nice. So pretty excited about that. Nice. So um, it'd be V Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, just like the day, uh, V Sunday at powerscatholic.org. And uh, that would be fantastic. You'd get a hold of her and get something set up and take a tour and maybe arrange a shadow visit. And Great. Awesome. We'll so, have that email address in the show notes as well. I was wondering if you could speak to something that I've heard from friends who work in Catholic schools 
Um, I've been hearing a lot since COVID that there's been a pretty significant increase in Catholic school enrollment. Um, could you speak to that? We did get some kids, especially from some of the public schools and things that were planning on being virtual. Um, so we have had um, a number of kids that have come in, uh, and I think most of them are planning on staying. So that's the good thing. So yeah, that's get, what we, I've been hearing. Yeah, yeah. We, we get we got not only would we get them, but I think they're going to stay. So that's good. Yeah, as hard as it's been, it sounds like it's you know overall been a positive thing for Catholic schools. So. Yeah. Yep. That's I, great. I, when, I mean, if we can get them in their, our doors, usually we can keep them. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I know it's a sacrifice for parents, um, but it's a sacrifice that, that'll pay in the long run. Yeah. So not, not only because, like we talked about the whole child and, and about, you know, but I think, I think we also do a fantastic job getting kids ready for life. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of life beyond high school, and uh, I think we do a really good job giving them the foundational skills um, academically, emotionally, spiritually, um, that they need to go to college, you know? Yeah. So. Yep. Well, good. Well, I think that answered, uh, the last question I was going to ask. So yeah, please, uh, you know, if you're interested in helping out powers or being uh, involved at powers, uh, check out their website, powerscatholic.org. Yep. Correct. <laughs> and, uh, Val Sunday, if you want to talk to somebody here in particular. So, uh, thanks for joining us this, uh, this week and, Thank you. Uh, happy Catholic schools week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father Tony. Thank you.